Phil Soper, welcome. Thank you very much for joining the very first inaugural episode of Conrad's Corner. So, what an honor. Thank what you. Honor. You're, you're the number one guest. You're the number one guest. You're the number one person that we wanted to get on this. So thank you for joining us for the first one. Uh, Conrad's Corner, obviously, you and I know each other through Royal Page, Royal Page Commercial, uh, President and CEO of Royal Page. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, and congratulations on that. Uh, Getting this show off the ground, that's pretty exciting. We're very excited. You know, it was it was uh, in high demand from our uh, advisors. Everybody's been talking about for a while. The industry's been talking about the fact that there's not enough commercial podcasts, commercial shows, YouTube shows. This is something that we're pretty excited about, and we think that it's going to uh, resonate really well with the industry. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it will. The, uh, you know, as goes the economy, goes the commercial re real estate sector. So everybody, even if they're not focused specifically on commercial brokerage, is certainly interested with what's going on in that part of the industry. Absolutely. And it, it's uh, the timing is definitely fortuitous to talk about that right now. But before we get into that, let's chat a little bit for those that are new or don't know this. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the history of Royal Page from your perspective, what you know, and, uh, and touch on very lightly how it relates to commercial and how Royal Page sure. Commercial is involved in Canada's real estate. Well, Royal Page started way back in 1913 as uh, A.E. LePage Realty, uh, the first president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, uh, a pioneer in many ways. Uh, he was a home builder, a city builder, uh, a great, great founder. So 110 years ago, uh, Royal Page Commercial grew up in the booming uh, Southern Ontario, uh, Toronto uh, area in the middle of the last decade. Uh, an important force in the development of uh, the city. Uh, for example, uh, the uh, business helped pull together the largest uh, land assembly had, that had been done in uh, downtown Toronto or anywhere in, in Canada to that point, which created the first mega commercial complex around the TD Centre. So they quietly accumulated all this land for their major tenants and uh, pulled it together. Uh, in, you know, fast forwarding through the years, it was the largest commercial practice in uh, the country by far, uh, but there were some changes at the, the, the turn of the millennial. And uh, Brookfield, who's old, purchased uh, the business from old uh, Eddie LePage and, and the other uh, owners at that time was a private company uh, way back in the day. They um, were looking at the valuations of commercial practices and the, and the way in which uh, the business was evolving and it had struck this partnership with Cushman Wakefield. So uh, right around the... Uh, early 2000s, right when I came in, the decision was made to uh, merge Cushman Wakefield with uh, Rolla Page Commercial under the, 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 the Cushman brand. It's an international brand. Yeah, I remember it well. Ironically, 2003, I was working Were at Rolla really? Page Commercial and was part of the acquisition for Cushman. I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's, so you went through that. I that went version. through it. I went through it. Yeah. Well, it was, we said to the new ownership, interesting, Colin Bastable yep. was running the business. He, um, he was... Uh, Briefly, my colleague, when I first came in, I, I took over the company in 2002, and uh, we worked together on some things, and then and then we just went our separate ways. Uh, 
when it was it was later that decade that I saw the majors um, they were abandoning certain certain market segments in commercial brokerage. Specifically, they didn't have the uh, geographic representation that that mirrored what Rolla Page had in every place where there's Canadian businesses and, and Canadians, every nook and cranny. It, it was a sort of consolidating into a major markets business. And we said, you know, there's there's a lot of business being abandoned out there. So we decided to dust off Roller Page Commercial and, and relaunch it as a national a mid-market and all-market uh, brand. And well, it's been really successful and and uh, no more so than under your uh, guidance, under your stewardship. You're too uh, kind. You're David. too kind. Thank you. So that was, that was about, uh, give or take, about 10 years ago that that happened? Exactly. Okay. So come full circle. It's back home. Um, it's not just in the Vetcom cities, the Vancouver, Edmonton, Toronto, uh, Calgary, Ottawa, Montreal. It's expanded. Uh, I know, as you just alluded to, we are the largest and the fastest growing commercial brand in Canada, uh, well over 500 members. And to your point, secondary, tertiary markets, uh, the exposure is pretty much anywhere businesses and Canadians are. That's where you'll find Royal Page Commercial. Yeah. And interestingly, you know, and this is a phenomena of the pandemic, uh, but we first raised it as a migratory pattern that we saw in the middle of the last decade. So what we were seeing was the rise of uh, small and midtown Canada again because of the evolution of networking technology. So uh, high-speed networks were making it possible. Remember, this is we're talking like 2015 now, seven years ago, way before the pandemic. It was making it possible for professionals and small businesses to locate in cities like Cambridge or Windsor or Red Deer. They didn't have to be just in Toronto or Ottawa. And so uh, that, that phenomena was taking root and, and we called it the, the resurgence or the rebirth of, uh, of small town Canada because for a, for a century, for probably more than a century, urbanization had just been on a steady climb and mega cities like Toronto and Vancouver were just getting bigger and bigger. People were moving from small towns. Uh, Atlantic Canada was like, you know, when the last person leaves, turn the lights out. Yeah. Uh, except bigger, bigger and bigger and real estate prices going up and up. Exactly. In those and the differential getting bigger and bigger on the commercial yep. and the residential side. Yep. Of course, the pandemic, uh, it, it took that trend driven by technology and probably affordability, as you point out, and it supercharged it. And so we had this uh, this this rebalancing. And and interestingly, it offered a little bit. Those those of your uh, your listeners uh, who have been looking for a home that say are first time home buyers and they're interested in growth space, they may not believe this. But this movement um, from our mega cities into secondary cities actually acted as a little bit of a, a safety valve or price appreciation, price inflation during the pandemic would have been even been worse. And we, for the very first time uh, since we started tracking these or, or StatsCan uh, track these numbers, became a net donator, we in Southern Ontario, to 
uh, places like Atlantic Canada, like New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, Newfoundland, um, when we'd been a receiver all these years. Now, it wasn't enough numbers to really <laughs> make a difference. We've got so many millions of people, but it made a huge difference in those markets. It sure did. Yeah. And I imagine you saw the referrals moving across the country into markets like St. John and St. John's. We and absolutely did. We were just on a, on a panel last week for Altus and the numbers that they presented for 2022 Q1 were very interested to your point about the migration, uh, West Coast, East Coast. But I mean, Calgary, Edmonton, specifically to your point, uh, Halifax, yes. phenomenal, phenomenal resurgence yep. in Halifax, both on the commercial and obviously on the residential side. Um, this is a function of, as you said, technology really playing a big part, affordability playing a big part, and um, work from home, remote work. Uh, yep. We have yep. people that were in the GTA that uh, made a move out to the Halifax and they're working turnkey as if they were still here. Is that gonna continue? Yeah, it will. Uh, I look at uh, our business as an example, and I'm talking about the, uh, the corporate entity uh, Roller Page Canada, Bridgemark, Brookfield, that um, are bringing people back to the office. But uh, as you well know, you know, we're looking at a couple of days a week in office uh, as a target and moving that up over time. But when we're hiring young people, like we've, we've been hiring new people into IT, we do, we're the big um, technical a property technology company in Canada. Most of our competitors are um, American firms mm -hmm. uh, that that uh, license brands and operate in the country. We do development in Canada for, for Canada. So we need young technologists. And one of the first questions they're asking our HR people is, so do I have to actually come to the office? And, and the, uh, and the uh, response is, well, how much would you like to come to the <laughs> office? Because, you know, they've got three, four job offers. It's, uh, which is why, uh, sorry to provide a, a, a bit of a segue here, why I don't see a major economic recession like some mm. of the doom, dooms mm. uh, uh, day people are, are predicting. Employment is so high. Businesses are running full strength. Yes, stock market's overshot. Yes, uh, our housing market overshot, but the fundamentals of this economy are so strong. I, I really don't see if there's a recession coming. It, it, it's a magic recession. It's not coming from business. It's not coming from uh, consumers. It's not coming from government. Uh, I don't know where it's coming from. It is. Um, it's not going to happen. If, if it is looming, if it's in the shadows, it's probably from the, the people talking about the inflation. Yeah, and, yeah. and looking sort of self-fulfilling prophecy stuff. That could be luckily, it. luckily, that can you know the old uh, Abraham Lincoln. You can fool some of the people uh, all of the, all time. the time. Well, you you may get a few people, and we see this every time there's a market correction in the residential uh, business. You get people jumping on headlines and scurrying to the sidelines because they're afraid. Different different consumers have different risk profiles. Uh, but the majority in the middle and the risk takers are salivating. They're rubbing their hands together and they're going, I, I see an opening. 
So let me ask you about that. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. If we're going to talk about consumer perception, market perception, where the industry is right now, uh, mostly on the residential side right now, a bit of a lull. I haven't seen the residential numbers recently in the last couple of weeks, but for Q1, a little bit down. People are taking a breath. They're waiting to see. They want to see what's happening with interest rates. It's spring market. Should we expect more? Q1 was went gangbusters. Q2, so we're talking April, May, yeah. under our belt now, uh, volumes fell well, well off. What people don't realize is that the leading indicators were there starting last December. So the last month, I'm talking about nationwide, but, but uh, Ontario reflected this, the, the year over year, not month to month, year over year sales volumes started to soften in, in December of 2021. The last month that was even was November. And each month subsequently, we're down a little bit. Uh, over the all-time records we saw during the pandemic, uh, fueled, uh, excessive flurry, so, a flurry, uh, irrational exuberance yeah. is what I've called it. And so there was a pull in of a lot of transactions, both, both, um, delayed transactions, pent up demand from the shutdown in the spring of, uh, 2020. And also people forget we had a market correction in 18 and 19. And so there was pent up demand from 18, 19, and 20 all shoved into 2021, plus a um, the, the, the crazed hyper-focus on one's living uh, conditions that fueled that, that exceptional year. So would we expect? I can tell you we did not build a, a plan internally, as you know, uh, that was uh, built on having the this this sort of aberration in terms of the number of transactions continue. We said, okay, that was a peak, and it was a, sort of like a weather phenomena. You don't expect this to happen very often. But what we were expecting and are expecting is that the economy will continue to strengthen uh, and normalize. And uh, but but sales volume volumes are off that peak. So November, January, February, March, April, and it will continue for a few months, we're seeing volumes off 10% over this all-time peak, 15%. And prices? Prices down a little bit? Prices are a lagging indicator. Mm. You get the the first, the the wave of, when you think about it, it makes sense, right? If, if, If volumes are rising, number of homes selling, you're basically creating more demand and it's going to drag prices along. Not immediately, but it's going to drag prices up. Yeah. If volumes are falling, at the rate of price increase, this is an important differentiation, not necessarily prices, but the rate of price increase uh, begins to flatten. And that's what we're seeing. Will there be some give back? Will there be softness in some markets? Absolutely. There was softness in the spring of 2020. There was softness in uh, 18, when, after the introduction of the Fair Housing Act by the, in, in 2017, we had softness in 2012, 2008 and 9, the, the American financial system uh, driven recession. So yeah, this market is like this overall, but it's not a straight mark, it's not a straight line. It's a sine wave like this. And it always climbing, over a century, prices have risen by five to six percent in this country, but not by twenty-five 
or 26%, which we saw in 2021. So that was not healthy. I'm happy that this correction appears to be a soft landing. In other words, in other words, we're not going to have to have a, a recession or or a collapse of housing markets to bring normality back into the market and bring some reasonable. I mean, in our our industry, this has been a tough time for both commission, commercial practitioners in Royal Page Commercial and for those that focus on the residential side. Imagine you're looking after a family trying to find their first home in 2021. Every time you find a property, you're up against 15 other people, maybe 30. There's going to be 14 losers. And that advisor who is at the table with that family, 14, 14 out of the 15 are losers, and they've got to get back in the game. That time is lost forever. So and all they have is their time. That's how they get paid, right? Like any other fee-for-service advisor, they get paid for the, the time that they put in to advise uh, the advice and counsel they provide. So if they have to go through 15 deals to win, hopefully you know our people are well-trained enough that their ratio is better than that, um, their costs are going to skyrocket, their clients are going to be distraught, so that's not a healthy market. What we're entering into is a much-needed normalization. And, and we call it a correction because it's correcting a, a mistake that occurred in the market, the overshooting. It was, it was, it was uh, something to behold. And a lot of people had record years, but it's, it's not the way you want to live your professional life. You made an, a great point. It's, it's not the way you want to live your professional life. It's not the way you want to experience home buying on the opposite side. Rightly or wrongly, unfortunately, I was in a position where I had to make a move in 2021 and was trying to get into a house. <laughs> I, I bought so, a place that, you know, I think we'd be smart enough. Oh, uh, you'd to, think we'd know. Uh, happy no. wife, happy life. That's what it was in my case. Well, and you yeah, know what? I was told what we were going to do. My agent said, no, was like, <laughs> this is this is a disaster. You picked the, the worst time. I'll walk you through it. I'll help you as I can. But it was, it was a mess. And to your point, nobody wants to experience, I mean, we were we were in the West End of the GTA. 30, 40 offers at a time, prices, you know, hundreds of thousand dollars above Pricing asking. Pricing was, I mean, our our advisors who are so good mm -hmm. at keeping their finger on the pulse of a market and and figuring out exactly what a property is worth at that point in time in that neighborhood, that that particular dwelling, they were they were uh, you know in unprecedented territory. They, they truly, in many cases, just had to let the market decide what a property was worth um, and, and <laughs> throw their hands up sometimes and, yeah. then, and then help their clients navigate the craziness that was uh, completing their transaction. So I think they did amazingly well. I'm so proud of the team. And, uh, and you know, they're going to do, they're going to advise their counsel their clients through this. I mean, what are we? What are what are good brokers other than advisors. problem solvers and yep. advisors, right? That's that's what our job is. And that's why satisfaction is so high. People don't realize this because they sometimes do market, you sometimes read market research about um, the real estate industry and consumers who are not in the act of of buying or selling will say, yeah, there's not enough transparency or I don't like the bidding process, whatever. But if you, if you survey consumers, 
during the transact or right after the transaction is complete, right? They've received the services that they paid for. Um, buyer satisfaction at Royal Page ranges in the 95% range and seller satisfaction. Remember, the sellers typically are paying the fee. So it's 89%. So we're talking about overwhelming satis uh, satisfied clients. Um, that's and, phenomenal. And it really is, phenomenal. actually, when they you think about so it. They are so happy uh, with having someone navigate that process with them. And, and then, you know, time goes on and it's three years and the market's uh, uh, bouncing around. And when, when, when they're worried, they go, yeah, real estate, I don't know. But they're not the ones that are actually engaged. They're not the actual clients. The clients that are engaged and working with a roll-up page practitioner are... Um, uh, delighted at the service they provide almost all the time. So you talk about uh, services provided, yeah. commercial side, residential side, uh, we're, we're phenomenal at both in my opinion. What advice would you give, uh, I'm going to ask you two questions here. Sure. One, to people uh, interested in, in the franchise model, franchisors, yep. interest, franchisees, excuse yep. me, interested in becoming a franchisee for Royal Page. And what advice would you give to people looking to get into the real estate market as agents, whether it be commercial or residential, based on where we are right now? So if you were to make a decision in the next 12 months, what would somebody have to think about if they mm -hmm. want to become a Royal Page franchisee? And what would they think about if they want to become an agent? Good questions. Good questions. Okay. So the first thing I say to people who ask me this kind of questions. Occasionally I'll get, um, you know, um, a mom or a dad I know who've got a kid that, you know, they're in university and yep. they're wondering what they should do. And they say, could you talk to Susan or John? Uh, you know, and I say, sure, I'll have a coffee. And I am I'm uh, an advisor at what we now call Toronto Metropolitan University, what used to be uh, Ryerson. And when I talk to kids uh, who are contemplating where they're, their career should go. I say one of the, if, if you really don't have an, a singular passion, like some people, you're a car guy. If you were interested in becoming an automotive engineer from when you were six, you know, you can't shake that, right? That's, that's, that's passion. I've got one kid who's, um, that just graduated medical school. She wanted to be a doctor from when she was, she knew, little. she, she knew. knew, but a lot of people know they want an education. They want a career. They want something that challenges them. They want something that, that uh, 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 provides compensation, allows them to pursue the things they love in life. But they don't really have it narrowed down. And I say, pick an industry that's growing. It's just so much easier <laughs> to, to succeed if the tide is rising. You know, the old uh, rising tide rises all boats. And then you can be the first boat over the finish line. So you can always outperform the, 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 the industry or, or your peers, but it, but it sure helps if the overall industry is expanding. And if I look at the Canadian commercial and residential real estate industry over the next decade or two, uh, all indications are there's no place better on the planet to practice uh, our trade. The fastest growing advanced nation on, word, uh, on earth in, in body terms, uh, population growth. 
we are one of the few places on earth that absolutely has immigration uh, correct. Um, we check all the, all the boxes and have been ranked in academic studies as the number one, the best country on the planet. So we, 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 we have safety and security, economic opportunity, education, uh, educational opportunities. Uh, we have uh, health systems that work, an environment, a beautiful big country with lots of greenery. So we have tick, 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 tick. So the best and brightest from around the world, the skill, the people with skills and capital want to immigrate here. And as a result, we've, we've got an expanding need for household formation. So that drives our base fundamental residential real estate industry. It's expanding, it's growing. We need more practitioners, yep. more brokerages in the future. And of course, with the, the growth of the underlying consumer, we have the growth in all the businesses that support them. And interestingly, during the pandemic, and partially as a result of the success that we've had uh, on the immigration side, we have um, an expanding business-to-business -business investment uh, market. And Canada's lagged a little bit there. The problem, you know, if you permit me a quick little segue, the problem is we're so rich in natural resources mm. that we've tended to under-invest in advanced technologies, uh, call it uh, industrial capacity, this sort of thing. And we've relied on services, prof professions like ours, and, and uh, natural resources industries. And that in-between business-to-business investment wasn't there. But these, uh, these highly skilled entrepreneurs and, and uh people, a lot of them technologists that we're bringing from around the world into Canada are bringing an entrepreneurial spirit that we haven't seen before. And they're investing, which is helping to grow the B2B side of the business, which will grow the, the, the commercial side at a faster rate than just our population growth and the expanded need for services to our people. Anyway, so franchisee. Uh, we tend on both, as you would know, on the commercial brokerage side and the residential or a combined business uh, to look for people who have a proven track record. Yes, if, if we've got really skilled practitioners, we sometimes will do a startup, but almost all Rollapage businesses, they're people who have an independent brokerage or they've, they've worked with a starter brand. Right? They've worked with another company and they're, they want to sort of up their game uh, and move to Canada's premium brand. Uh, so it, it, is a, it is a good time to talk to one of our business development people if you're already in that brokerage space and you want to be part of this, this uh, great success story, this great Canadian success story. For practitioners, you know, it's, it's important that you do your homework and you understand what you're getting into. I, I shake my head sometimes when I, when I hear people, you know, an Uber driver or whatever, basically saying, I'm going to get my real estate license because I hear it's an easy buck. It's not an easy <laughs> buck. We've got thousands and thousands of people who don't sell real estate that have real estate licenses that went through all the courses, that pay their dues, they're insured, they're licensed, they have no skills, and they have no business. So it's important you understand how to align yourself with a team 
that's going to help you grow as a professional, how you're going to, a path to success. You need to talk to uh, a leader, a leader in the business, a team leader, a manager in a brokerage who, who, who lays it on, doesn't sugarcoat it for you, said, this is the hard work you need to do to get rolling. But I, I remain convinced that there's few other professional sales careers that will be as rewarding, uh, uncapped potential, you could call it, uh, as uh, being in, the, in the, the real estate brokerage industry. It's, it's Canada's number one industry. Listen, that's, that's our mantra at Royal LePage Commercial. It really is, it's maximize your potential. And that's what a lot of our practitioners do, whether they're coming from another uh, brokerage or another industry, they're really maximizing their potential. Uh, the freedom that they're allowed, yeah. as you expressed, I mean, that's unparalleled in a lot of industries. Uh, the adage that sometimes you hear from the, the marketplace out there, well, 10% of, the, of, of your employers or your employees make 90% of the money. Is that true also in real estate? It, it's probably closer to 25-75 or the old Prado principle was always 80-20. There, it, it, there tends to be a shift um, where, where big producers, big teams uh, write a lot of volume. But I can say, if you look at you know, average incomes for a roll-a-page practitioner in the GTA, they're well above what average, that's across all the thousands of roll-a-pagers in, in our great city, well above what um, uh, typical uh, sales professionals uh, would, be, would be making. So, and a manager can lay that out for someone who's interested in, in the uh, business in a career. For somebody, uh, you've spoken about becoming a franchisee, you've spoken about becoming uh, an agent. If somebody does choose to go down that path, they're doing the courses, they're going to get their license, they're ready to go, they've decided Royal Page Canada is the place to be, whether it be residential or commercial. What advice from you in terms of how to stay motivated, how to be focused, how to start out? Uh, what do they focus on the first, let's call it 18, 24, 36 months? Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd start with a, a six-month plan. Um, six months is, is, a, is a good goal to get your first sale. Some people luck out and they bring a sale to the table and they, they basically consummate a deal right when they land. Um, depending on their risk profile, a great way to start is to interview with leading real estate teams uh, in the business. They provide mentorship. Uh, they provide, um, honestly, a, a stream of, of potential business that needs to be, needs to be serviced. And, and so if, it, it all depends on, on if you're starting early in your career, for example, or if, say, say you're a sales professional in another industry, you might feel more comfortable out on your own and you may have the resources. Um, so there, there are many paths to get rolling, but I'd set six months as, as, a, as a goal to get up and rolling, but have the financial resources uh, to last a year or 18 months. Don't expect uh, instant, instant riches. Uh, there's very few professions on earth where, where you know, you take a course and suddenly you're rich. Uh, I can tell you. <laughs> this isn't like it, Bitcoin. We're not no, all going to be millionaires it, it, overnight. Exactly. It's, it's hard work, but boy, the rewards are amazing uh, when you put the time in. Absolutely. Uh, technology. 
You touched on it a little bit earlier, how it's really changed the game over the last 10 years. It seems to be growing exponentially. Every, every quarter, every year, we're introduced to new products. We've got new partnerships, new services, whether it be research, CRM, data, marketing, whatever it is. How is that going to play a role over the next couple of years? Well, it's incredibly important for our people and for the consumers they, they sell. Um, on the residential side, consumers spend about 16 weeks doing their own research online before they engage one of our one of our advisors. Not much, eh? Wow, 16 I'm surprised. Weeks. Yep, that's the average. Essentially, it's really important to them to understand what they're getting into when it's such a large transaction. Yeah. So, you know, we have the most visited real estate company website in the country, rollapage.ca, and our job is to educate, to get people comfortable with the brand, to get people um, the tools they need to feel comfortable, and then to, to allow them to work with a, a professional that, that represents our brand well. So the, 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 that won't change. We'll change the techniques with which we uh, reach out and help people until they're ready, but the, the advisor on a transaction like this, and I, I believe this really, really uh, through and through, this uh, a transaction this important, people will continue to want the the services an advisor. The old the old adage, you know, I'm going to represent myself in court. We haven't seen that in the law, and we haven't seen that in real estate. People people feel the value, uh, both on the, the selling their property uh, or on helping them find a property of having a a licensed a professional advisor at their side. No one wants to go to a table and negotiate themselves against a trained professional on the other side. They don't want to be outgunned. Um, that alone is probably enough to send people in, into uh, the arms of a roll of page uh, realtor. But there's also just the, the, the myriad of ways that things go wrong. It's, it's, a complex world and, and buying a property as simple as it may seem on the outside, it, there's so many places you can trip and stumble along the way. The transaction can't, at, at no fault to the buyer or the seller. It's just, there. it's a complex world. You're dealing with other parties on the other side. You're dealing with shifting markets and, and regulatory requirements are heavy handed governments can can make things challenging for us. So it's it's worth it, and the numbers show it. About, about 90% of all uh, transactions that occur in Ontario uh, are with a licensed professional realtor. And that other 10%, um, you know, a lot of those are where the big mistakes happen. Can happen, and on your, for most people, the most important, the most expensive purchase of your life, not a place you really want to make a mistake, especially on the commercial side. If it's your business, your livelihood, uh -huh. not a place you want to make a mistake. You, as you alluded to, you want an advisor, a professional advisor with the expertise that's done it. Uh, so the doom and gloom people, the naysayers who say real estate agents are going to go by the wayside, they're going to be done. Technology is going to replace them. It'll, it'll never happen. No. What our, our goal with technology is to, to make our frontline advisors stronger, better, to to uh, build 
trust with consumers until they're ready to be uh, uh, for that handshake, until they're ready to get in, engaged and involved with one of our advisors, and then provide the tools and technologies to allow that transaction to help happen more smoothly, uh, the communication to happen more smoothly, and to allow our, our uh, practitioners, be they commercial brokers or uh, frontline residential realtors, to keep in touch with their, their past clients in a professional way, continuing to add value until it's time uh, for their follow-on transaction. Near the end of the show? Sure. Near the segment that we like to wrap up, uh, I do something called Dame Time. A, yeah, little bit, perfect. a little bit informal. Let us know a little bit more about you. Okay. Uh, car guy. I'm a car guy. You're a car yes. guy. Yes. Electric car. We both got, yeah, just got we, one. We ran into each other in the parking lot the other day and went, hey, hey. Technology. Yep, you're the you're the Mustang. I'm the the Jag. Yeah. So a, a couple of they're not Teslas. Either one of us. No, they're not. No. But actually, I, I got put off of Tesla very early on because of some clients and and colleagues' experiences with them. Nothing wrong with Tesla. Just some personal experience that people had. Good cars. Good cars. Nothing wrong with that. But your article that you wrote was actually the one that made me realize. Really? Let me look at some other options. Ah, that's cool. Yeah. That's so you cool. you went with the Jag. I did. It's called the I-Pace. Uh, it's their their fully electric vehicle. Um, love it. I have it two years. So, wow. you know, it's it's not a new vehicle for me. Um, yeah, occasionally you get range anxiety yep. uh, if you're driving all over the province. Um, and you'd have to be really patient to, say, drive to Halifax from <laughs> Toronto. You would be. But, um, but for someone like me who travels a lot in southern Ontario, like out to London, and things like that. It's just, it's a no-brainer. And and you know, I bought it when gas was cheap. <laughs> gas was cheap. It, it, I don't know what it costs you, but overnight, Ontario has some of the cheapest overnight electricity rates in the world. Uh, it's about, what, eight bucks for the typical uh, fill-up? And I can tell you, we have a gas car, too. It's 150 bucks now. Yeah, so, it's crazy. You know, the that, that didn't, I know overall, because you pay more for them up front. And it takes a number of years to, for the math to work out, but they're fast, they're good for the environment, they're fun, they're full of tech that works, at least in ours, right? You yep. haven't any issues yep. with yours? Not yet, knock on wood. No. And you can beat your buddies in their gasoline-powered Mustangs, can't you? Definitely. Much faster. Yeah, they're dangerously fast. That's the problem. <laughs> Don't need any more tickets. Relating to that price of gas, I mean, Alberta, like what are they going to do there? Are, is the, not to get into politics, but we've seen uh, Ford invest a bunch of money in electric batteries, electric cars. The, the, that industry is going to continue to increase. Southwestern Ontario, they're doing a big, a big push there. Alberta, what are they going to be doing about natural resources and specifically oil and gas? Yeah, well, they there are a record number of carbon capture capture uh, projects underway in Alberta. What carbon capture capture means basically is the carbon that's produced in the the exploration and and uh, refining process, which is material. It's the biggest single source of carbon in our country. Is is captured and and then stored in underground caverns. It's actually not a big cave, it's in porous rock, uh, and then capped. And it's sort of like returning it from whence it came. It, uh, is, it works, it works. The experiments have worked and, and they're investing in, in alternative energy. So their goal is to become 
an energy uh, superpower as far as the province goes, and the uh, federal government is supporting them in, in those efforts. Amazing. I'm going to put you on the spot. Sure. I think you were a Calgary guy. Is that right? I, I was born and raised in Calgary. Yeah. Been oh. here. 25 years. Hockey series, Edmonton, Battle of Alberta. I got to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot. It's the Oilers all the way. Really? They're not going to bounce back? No. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. uh, I just, that that Edmonton team, oh, man, they are are getting better and better uh, as the season and the the series went through, uh, you know, led by by one of the all-time greats. Uh, Yeah. I, I, you never know. The Cup may be coming back to the city of champions. The city of champions, wow, the Leafs got knocked out. What does that mean? Oh, you mean Calgary. Yeah, oh, I'm you afraid mean so, I'm afraid so. Uh, no. Yeah, sadly as a Leaf fan, it uh, it didn't happen again for us What's this year. What's your license plate read? My license plate reads Leafer, so. <laughs> I'm gonna have to David. wrap a little Poor black David. armband around it, I yeah, think, yeah. it's just another first round exit. Although uh, it, did, it did give me some small satisfaction to see the Leafs take Tampa to seven. They almost had it, they could have had it in six. They were so close. As usual, maybe next year. I'm going to put that on my one tombstone. Goal. One, one goal. One goal. Uh, and then uh, the President's Trophy winners, the, the Florida Panthers, just just pitched, pitched a 10 and collapsed. Yeah. No, I, you know, it would be cool to see an Oilers uh, uh, lightning final. That would be something yeah, else. I'd be it? cheering for our Canadian team, of course. But yeah. it is nice to see your team get beat by the, the <laughs> call it the second best. Yes, definitely. I mean, we could say that for Montreal last year, although we can never take solace in that. But um, last question as we wrap up here, what do you do for fun? What are you doing these days? Oh, gosh. I am um, off on a leadership conference uh, next week. You're coming along, are you, on Can't this wait. one? Yeah, yep, excited. Yep. So we're gathering uh, Royal Page leadership, uh, uh, broker owner, managers from across the country, long delayed. We've been doing this virtual for a long time in Barbados. That'll be fun. And then I go with, again, a long delayed trip with uh, some um, university buddies. We do this about every four years. We're going to Ireland for a week. Oh boy. And we're gonna be golfing and quaffing quaffing, uh, uh, Guinness. And then in August, fast forward a few months, uh, a small group from the Royal Page Riding Club motorcycle riding club, are doing the Himalayan Ride for Shelter. Oh, nice. So we're we're traveling to New Delhi and then 14 hours into the Himalayas, and we're going to to riding our our motorcycles, Indian motorcycles, like Indian-built motorcycles, through the mountains for 10 days to raise money for the Royal Page Shelter Foundation, which is the largest foundation charity in Canada uh, focused on eradicating violence in our communities and supporting women and children who fall victim to it. So um, great cause. I've got a big, big, exciting summer ahead and, and a lot of work to do as well. That's amazing. If people want to support that, uh, we'll put a you know link what? in the video so that they can support great. you for that. That'd, That'd be, be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Phil, Conrad's Corner, inaugural show. Thank you very much. It's been it a pleasure. It was a real pleasure. Good luck with uh, the rest of the series. Everybody, uh, if you enjoyed it, please share, families, friends, colleagues, subscribe. And until next time, we'll see you then.